everybody, welcome to another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I'm half of the show. My name is Jeff. The other half of the show, sitting right there across the uh, the internet from me, is Mark A. Johnston. Mark, how you doing? Hey, I'm across two straight two uh, state lines as well. But uh, you know, this is an international broadcast of whatever we do. I do so. have that restraining order against you too. So you do <laughs> right, need to stay. Two states away, at least at all times. So. And then that's why we work so well together, you know, or <laughs> others would say we don't. So there you have it. All right. How's well, it going, Jeff? You enjoying the season or what? Oh, yeah. As an A's fan, I was just thinking about <laughs> it. I was just thinking about it. I, you know, I still watch the A's every day, but I don't watch the whole game. I watch, I watch like three or four innings. At that point, I generally feel like the game is is over for the most part. So, uh, you know, (laughs) I I am watching the Mets every day. I'm enjoying watching the Mets. Uh, They're my adopted team again this year. So uh, I I do have one winner. (laughs) Wow. But yeah, it's uh, we got cool jerseys. This is true. I I saw those uh, city city ones. What is those called? Yeah, that was that, that was a joke I said to you. Yeah, it was a beauty, wasn't it? <laughs> the scuffed A's City Connect jerseys. <laughs> well, nobody else knows what we're talking about, so let's uh, get on into the show here where we can discuss things that everybody will understand, and let's uh, let's get started with BP. Mark, first of all, this has been on my mind for a couple of weeks. It was really, I think, during the WBC I thought about this, and we just had some some packed shows, so I've kind of put this one off. Do you remember way back in the day, this actually happened in 2004, which is not really that back in the day, but do you remember a pitcher named Justin Miller? I do, yes. There was kind of a controversy that Justin Miller was involved in. Do you remember anything about that? I'm not recalling anything controversial about Justin Miller. Well, he was a pitcher, and he was required to wear a sleeve on his arm when he pitched. That was because he had tattoos on his arm, and it was deemed distracting to the batters. Oh, my goodness. Okay. I mean, if there was before that that was commonplace for everybody in the dugout to have three sleeves of tattoos on them themselves at all times, but... I remember this distinctly, and I just chuckle at it now that he had to actually wear something to cover up his tattoos. Not so much uh, are, are people avoiding, or athletes avoiding tattoos anymore. Except for in Japan. Still not no, a... That's true, yes. Not much of a thing in the NPB. Major League Baseball told Miller that he must wear long sleeve shirts under his uniform when he pitched because the tattoos on his arm are a distraction to hitters. So, there you go. Now, what about, I mean, couldn't... Guys had tattoos. Batters had tattoos at that point. Couldn't he have <laughs> made them go back in the dugout and put on a long shirt? Uh, yeah, that's distracting, right? I mean, especially if you're really focusing, trying to see what the tattoos are. Yeah, that's where I get distracted all the time. Yep. Uh, and sometimes they can make a move, like with a bicep. You, look, it's a whale. Now it's swimming. Isn't that cool? I can't do that. No. I my, can't my, either. I don't have any biceps. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, more alternate names for minor league teams. This time, the Erie Seawolves are in on it. The Seawolves? Yeah, for a couple of games this year, the Erie Seawolves will become the Erie Pepperoni Balls. <laughs> your college nickname. <laughs> I was going to say, it sounds like something you should see your doctor about. But I literally think they're just putting together random words for these things at this point. I, these are my predictions for some... and. 
minor league baseball, feel free to use these. Uh, greasy buffalo chaps. <laughs> inflatable pool donkeys. Albino couch frogs. Now, all I did there was I just said, give me three random words. And there I've got I've got some minor league baseball names. Well, they might have stolen it from the Seattle rugby team, the Seawolves. Uh, no, the Erie Seawolves have been around for quite a while. I, but I don't think the... The Seattle Seawolves have ever gone by the pepperoni balls, have they? Um, boy, I'd have to look it up. Yeah, I really would. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty safe in telling you no, they have not. Funny, you were called cinnamon balls. My nickname in college was uh, cinnamon buns. So, <laughs> I wish I was called cinnamon balls in college. <laughs> that would have been a would have been a lot busier uh, college days for me. But I digress. All right, moving on. <laughs> let's let's go on to a different subject. Quite a game. Speaking of minor league baseball happened last week, uh, it was a no hitter. Congratulations to all those involved. Yeah, everyone involved gets a congratulations. Yeah, the Chattanooga Lookouts defeated the Rocket City Trash Pandas, which is not their alternate name. That is their full name. Uh, Seven to five. The uh, odd thing here is that the uh, Lookouts, who of course won this game seven to five, were no hit. And they still scored seven runs. Seven runs without a hit. That is so, is it impressive or unimpressive? I got to say, I'm thinking that the uh, the Trash Pandas pitching and defense was trash. I, it, it might not just be a clever nickname. Yeah, th- this is true. They might be looking for trashy players to be Pandas. Yeah, now I, I think I'll take that back. It was probably just the pitching. Only one error committed. This was only a seven inning game, which tells me I'm, I'm guessing it was a, either first or second game of a doubleheader. Heading into the seventh inning, the Trash Pandas were up five to nothing and throwing a no-hitter. Little did they know that that top of the seventh would be their undoing and there would be seven runs scored. Without nary a hit, mind you. Yes. But uh, there you go. Congratulations to the Chattanooga. That's some pretty sloppy uh, some pitching there right there. That's, um, that's not a game that I think I would enjoy working at. <laughs> well, it was only seven innings, so. That's true. It depends on how much I'm getting paid, I guess. Um, here's something interesting. My YouTube algorithm is is really, it's a weird time uh, for my YouTube account. Uh, I'm getting a, a lot of uh, baseball songs, you know, because I, I had to research Solid Gold a couple of weeks ago for the, the Dodgers. We are the champions. And now I've got a couple of other things in there. And uh, it, it's just what a difference 10 years in Milwaukee can make. So 1957, the Milwaukee Braves beat the Yankees in the World Series and something that doesn't happen anymore today, at least I don't think it does. I don't, my team's never win, so I don't know. But there was a song written about the city and the team called I Love the Braves by Jimmy Madden. I love the Braves. I love the Braves. From that boy to the guys who own the team. I love the Braves, cause they're the answer to a real fan dream. I like to watch that wind up and that big double play. And see a home run hitter up when there's two away. Who wins a game by shocking one? What else can I say? I love the Braves. That's a pretty fawning song if you're saying you love the owners and the bat boy. and It's very happy. Yes. yes, it is very happy. Now, spoiler alert, this doesn't end well for Milwaukee Braves fans. 
Less so. than 10 years later, the team moved to Atlanta. The fan base obviously did not take it well, and I don't blame them. I know how that feels, and I'm probably going to know how it feels like again very soon. But less than a decade after I Love the Braves comes this ditty, There's No Joy Left in Milwaukee. Our romance didn't last, cause we found out one day You wanted to get out, you started into straight Though we were good to you, you needed us no more And we're knocking at a Georgia Peaches door Much for you. Now we're crying in our beer. Atlanta, hear me now, cause what I say is true. Someday someone will steal them from you. Oh, oh there's no more baseball. So, <laughs> some strong wow. words from Mr. Frankie Yankovic in 1966. <laughs> I tell you what, man, that is the saddest, happy song I've ever heard. Yeah, I know. The the polka makes everything sound happy, but that was Frankie Yankovic, not related to uh, Weird Al Yankovic. That is not the... There's apparently a million Yankovics in the polka community, but that is not the Weird Al. Yeah, line. that song made people in Milwaukee want to polka their eyes out. Oh, wow. By, by the way, Weird Al had collaborated. He did collaborate at one point with Frankie Yankovic, but I don't think it was baseball related. Uh, let's see. Big auction happened this uh, this last week. The sale of a bat used by Babe Ruth in the 1920 and 21 seasons was sold for one point eight five million dollars. That is a nice chunk of wood. Yeah. The, the bat is known as the Polo Grounds bat, and that's because he used it when the Yankees played their home games at the Polo Grounds until 1922. They were able to match it with a photo from 1921 of Babe Ruth swinging it in a game. So they were actually able to authenticate that the bat in the picture is the one being sold. I did see that. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Ruth's 1921 season established records for both single season home runs with 59 and career home runs with 139. The bat received a perfect 10 out of 10 grade from PSA. Currently, most bats, by the way, in Major League Baseball, weigh around 32 ounces. This one, they had to wheel up there because uh, it was 44.6 ounces. <laughs> wow, he swung a club. Yeah, I swing. Uh, the bats I use are 30 ounces, and uh, I'm an old, weak man, so I cannot imagine 44. Don't forget the great mule subtles of the Negro Leagues and his 50-ounce bats. Jeez, I mean... You've got to start swinging that before they even start their windup to like get it through the zone. <laughs> get that thing generating some some motion. Wow, that is yeah, that's a that's a heavy chunk of wood right that there. That is incredible. I did put in a bid on this, by the way, but my offer of thirty six dollars and a spot on this podcast were not accepted, and in fact, I was asked to never place a bid on their site again. Mm, yeah, devastating. Well, I- you know, we, we kind of get the short end of the stick sometimes. We really do. You know, that was a good faith offer. It really was. Yeah. All right, Mark, this show is debuting on April 11th. Lucky number 11. I don't know. Uh, we've got a, 
I mean, again, there were a lot of names to choose from. I picked three for this week, though. The first one, making his debut today in 1961, Carl Yastrzemski. Carl Yastrzemski. Yep, yes, Captain Carl 1967 American League MVP. They typically award you that MVP when you win the Triple Crown. That's right. Uh, That year, he led the league in runs, hits, home runs, RBI, batting average, on base, slugging, OPS, OPS plus, and total bases. Amazing. That was not exactly a a hitter's year, I don't think. Uh, 1967? uh, Is that the Bob Gibson year? No, 68, but uh, close enough. Close enough, yeah. The mound was still still there. So, Yaz spent all 23 years of his big league career with one team, that, of course, being the Boston Red Sox. Only other player in baseball history that uh, is in that club to have played for a team that long is Brooks Robinson, who played for 23 years as well with the Baltimore Orioles. Wow. Uh, Yaz was elected to the Hall of Fame in 1989. That was his first year on the ballot. 94% uh, voted him in that year, which at that point was the highest point ever given to a left fielder, surpassing Ted Williams, who was at 93.3% in 1966. In 66, Ted Williams was only worth 93% of the vote. Yeah, there were guys that thought he wasn't quite ready for the Hall. Yep, he probably needs to wait a little bit, but... (laughs) I'm glad that's going by the wayside. That's yeah. Should have been done a long time ago. Uh, Also making his debut today, 1984, Mr. Mariner, Alvin Davis. AD. Gotta love him. Yes. Drafted by the Oakland A's in in 1981. Uh, Nonetheless, uh, nine years. I always think of Alvin Davis having played longer than that, but nine years, which includes that final year as a California angel, which is just weird to say and and weird to see him in that uniform. He was the rookie of the year in 1984, hit 284, 391 on base, 27 home runs, which would be, well, he hit 29 in 1987. But other than that was his career, his second best season with uh, 27 home runs, 116 RBI, which was his career best, five stolen bases. He ended his career with seven stolen bases. <laughs> yes. But he was caught four times. Uh, he um, was His career caught stealing was 16, so really not much speed. No, no, that's not what we got out of AD. What I loved about him, though, is he was in the middle of that lineup every day, and there was nobody ahead of him, and there was nobody behind him. <laughs> was, there was a pity note, you know, and he just still, he would just pound out a few home runs and, and play some great baseball. He was that guy that you you didn't want to have beat you because there was really nobody else in that lineup. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> uh, final one making his debut today in 1987 is somebody we've talked about an awful lot on this podcast. The Big Marine, despite having never served, Matt Williams. Matt Williams. 1987 with the San Francisco Giants. First round draft pick. Third overall by the Giants. Coaching third base for the Padres, again under uh, Bob Melvin, but is currently on leave. He was recently diagnosed with cancer. So we're thinking about uh, thinking about Matt Williams, hopes he gets better. This is something I didn't know. I guess we hadn't gone too deep in his Wikipedia page, because now if we pull a Matt Williams card, we're going to get dinged. He was named in the Mitchell Report. Really? I, I had not heard that. Yeah, I, we Never brought that up. I mean, we've talked about Matt Williams several times. I know we've pulled his card several times, but 
he had almost 400 career home runs. So, you know, yeah, maybe the guy could match. He had a good glove too. four time gold glove winner, five time mm-hmm. all-star four time silver slugger and a manager of the year with the Washington nationals. There you go. Also on the, uh, that diamondback squad that beat the Yankees in 2001. All right, that's going to do it for our uh, batting practice part of this show. The Grand Screw is going to come out and do their thing. Going to make sure, I saw in the minor leagues, they're they're chalking the kind of triangle behind second base where you're not allowed to, uh, you're not, <laughs> the infielders aren't allowed to go past. Right. So they're doing that for some reason. I don't know. We're a major league podcast. but uh, Mark, this week I've got an interesting story. It's kind of a, a, a shorter one than my normal one, but I, I saw this. And I, I was given two sentences on the story, and there was not much information there, but it intrigued me. So I went ahead and did some research. And uh, I've got a great story about a, uh, a baseball player named George Diggins. Now, if you look George Diggins up on Baseball Reference, you're not going to find a whole heck of a lot. So it just says, George Diggins, bats unknown, throws unknown, and he appeared at some point in a game in 1904 for the Class B Concord Marines of the New England League. Yeah, I, I'm a big Concord Marines fan. I know you are too, Mark. So You've been a been fan of Concord for a long time. Yeah, but I'd regardless, hadn't heard of this guy, George Diggins. So what it could say is that he is also the son of William Diggins, who just so happened to be the catcher on that same team. So ah. we've, we've seen teams, not many, we've seen two, where uh, the father and son are on the team at the same time. I think of one, Tim Raines and Tim Raines Jr., both on the Orioles in 2001. But at that point, Raines was a Hall of Famer. He was 41 years old at that point. His son was 21. He was traded at the end of the season to the Orioles for like a bag of balls and some donuts just so that he could go and play on the same team as his son. A little bit different than the uh, the Diggins and what happened to them. Uh, William, who I am just going to go ahead, I'm going to call him Bill for the rest of the story, He was the father, 10-year veteran at this point, made his professional debut at 21 years old for the Pottsville Colts of the Pennsylvania State League, which, again, big fans here. We talk about the Colts all the time. Before that, he played for the Wilkes-Barre Coal Barons, which is a fantastic team name. I love it. Uh, The Buffalo Bisons, the Milwaukee Brewers, not the Milwaukee Brewers, but the Class A brew crew at that point. The Cleveland Lakeshores in uh, 1900, which is just one year removed from the infamous 1899 Cleveland Spiders. So he was almost part of that. He also caught some games for the Montreal Royals and the Providence Grays. And finally, the Lancaster Red Roses, which unlike the Colbarons, is not a great name for a baseball team. (laughs) True. But for all of Bill's 11 years in professional baseball, he appeared in only one game in uniform with his son, George, and that was on June 25th, 1904. Marines were a little bit short that day. They only had 10 guys in uniform to start the day. The fourth inning rolled around and Bill took ill. I'm guessing he might have had some bad clams casino the night before. I don't know. He couldn't continue. He had to exit the game. So now the Marines are up against it. They only have nine players for the remaining five innings. Believe it or not, I was unable to find the official box score for a minor league game from the New England State League in 1904. So I'm going to take some artistic license on this one. So just (laughs) bear with me. Here is what I do know. 
The uh, In the sixth inning, with only nine players in uniform, the Marines' second baseman got himself tossed. Not very smart. Now, I don't know who the second baseman was, but looking at the roster for the 1904 Marines, uh, where positions are not given, by the way, I'm going to surmise that it was uh, the second baseman was either Chaucer Elliott or Henry Cussmall. These Both just, solid ball players. Well, they just sound like second baseman who might have a temper, too. That's that's what I was basing it on. Cusmall, okay. especially. But Chaucer, as a first name, like, that's pretty pretentious. So I'm thinking he might. It really is. <laughs> he, had a brother, he had a brother named Einstein. And uh, well, <laughs> they did well together in school. Uh, so the Marines are in a bind now, right? They've only got eight players left, and they don't want to forfeit this game because every game means something in the New England State League. From what I remember. All right. So remember when Bill left the game because of an undisclosed clam illness? Well, his son is at the game. He's in the stands. Little Georgie Diggins was in the stands that day. Now, I call him little Georgie Diggins because George was nine years old. Okay. I think you can see where this is heading. (laughs) Okay. Did that stop the Marines from sticking little Georgie in right field and even march him up to the plate for an actual at bat? Heck no. This is Marines baseball. Their slogan that year was Marines Baseball, we're hardcore. That I did find for sure. That is no artistic license. 1904, Marines Baseball, we're hardcore. Look it up. Nice. Now, I don't know if they put this nine-year-old kid in a uniform that was like six sizes too big for him. I don't know if he was standing in right field where they placed him for defense and was distracted by a butterfly and is kind of wandering around. I don't know if he could have actually swung a bat that they gave him when they sent him up to the plate. I want to believe all these things happened, but I don't know. I also don't want to think about what a nine-year-old standing in the batter's box with a grown-ass man throwing a baseball near him was thinking. (laughs) Wow, yeah. I'm guessing he probably was not enjoying that uh, too much. Uh, Just like I don't know who the second baseman was for the Marines. I don't know who the pitcher was for the Lowell Tigers that day. But looking at their roster, I'm going to make another guess. I'm guessing Buck Hooker was on the mound for the Tigers that day. Because you aren't called Buck Hooker unless you can throw a baseball. And not hit a small child. I remember that show with with, uh, with, uh, William (laughs) Shatner. Well, Buck Hooker, that was his uh, his cousin who just had a few guest appearances and was actually a, a drug dealer. Oh, remember oh, oh. Buck Hooker? I, yeah. Sure, I remember. Yeah. Uh, another note, the Marines were Bill's second team that season. The first team he played for that year, the Lowell Tigers. This is my theory that maybe the Tigers knew little Georgie. And so they were on board with letting him play and making sure he was safe because, you know, they, they knew the kid. He'd hung, hung around before. Or they hated Bill. They ran him out of Lowell. And because he was always talking about Clams Casino, like all the time, Clams Casino. So they were looking for some revenge. So they wanted to scare his kid. I don't know. Um, hey, man, that's as good as a supposition as anything else. <laughs> all I do know is George Diggins who I think without a doubt is the youngest player to ever play professional baseball. He was six years younger than Joe Nuxall. The Diggins also joined the only other two father-son duels who played for the same team at the same time. Uh, of course, the aforementioned Reigns and these guys, uh, they were up in Seattle. I guess they were in Griffey or something. I don't know. I haven't heard a whole lot about them. But. I read about that, I think. 
I didn't. I, I scoured the internet for uh, father son playing on the same team. Couldn't yeah. find. Yeah. Couldn't find. Uh, I only found the Griffies on on some conspiracy site. So I don't know. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I run that site. Just so you know. <laughs> so there it is, George Diggins. Uh, Very nice. Didn't never heard of him. Clearly, uh, I'm guessing nobody has heard of him that's listening to this podcast. But uh, he and uh, he and his father played on this. You know, technically, I guess I'm wrong. They didn't play uh, on this on the team at the same time because the Clams Casino had already taken Bill out earlier in the fourth inning, and then Georgie came in in the sixth. So that whole story I just told you, scrap it. It's. <laughs> We're, we're never mind, folks. Yeah, we just we just fact checked ourselves in real time. No need to uh, no need to send uh, send your notes and uh, your phone calls. But <laughs> there we go. All right, Mark, uh, it's time for uh, everybody's. Uh, well, I'm not going to say everybody. I'm going to say most listeners' favorite part of the show. We're going to open up some old baseball cards. We're going to tally up some more. We're going to talk about them and uh, see if they were on Sabrina the Teenage Witch. It is time for Wax Packs Heroes. Get it. Wax Pack Hero! Gotta pull a Wax Pack Hero! All right, Mark, uh, I'm trying to work through these score packs again. I don't want to open them every week, but I'm trying to get through this box I have, which if we keep opening them at this pace, uh, we'll probably finish up around show 329. I think we'll finish them. (laughs) Oh, good. So, yeah, we're going to wrap us up. Yeah, that'll that'll probably be our final ever show. So. All right. If you are new here, this is how we play this game. We're, we're going to open up a couple of packs of baseball cards. As I mentioned, these uh, score cards from 1991. We are going to take the baseball reference war from the uh, from the year of the pack. As I said, 1991. We're going to add those up. We've also got a couple of extra things that can add or subtract. Anything on the player's face, glasses, mustache, eye black, uh, anything like that. If they've got a third eye, we're going to count that as well. All of that is worth an extra tenth of a point of war. If they're wearing real stirrups where we can see their sanitaries, that's an extra tenth as well. But if they're wearing two and ones, we're going to subtract that. Also, any awards won that year, Rookie of the Year, Cy Young, MVP, All-Star, Gold Glove, all of those are good things. That's a half a point of war each. If there's a Hall of Famer in the card, on the card, anywhere adjacent to the card, that is going to be a whole extra point of war. If Ricky Henderson or Nolan Ryan appear on either my cards or Mark's cards, Nolan Ryan's going to get an extra five points for Mark right off the bat. Ricky will do the same for me. If the player has been mentioned in the Mitchell report or suspended for PEDs at any point during their playing career, we're going to minus half a point of war. If they have any acting or pop culture references, we're going to give them a half a point for that. Unless, of course, they were on Sabrina the Teenage Witch, The Simpsons, or Seinfeld, then we're going to give them a whole point. And Mark, you and I are each going to also pick a team. And uh, if that team shows up in any pack, we're going to get a half a point award each time. So, who's your team this week? I'm going to go with, I believe, the St. Louis Cardinals. All right. The uh, I was going to go with the uh, Lowell Tigers, uh, but uh, they don't exist anymore, and I don't think they're in this pack. Mm. So I can't do that. Uh, so there's no Lowell Tigers, no Concord Marines. So, uh, you know what? I'm going to go with the Giants in honor of uh, Matt Williams. There you go. 
All right, Mark, I've got two packs of cards here, uh, one in my left hand, one in my right hand. Which one would you like for your own? I think I'm going to go right. Right. All right, I'm going to take the pack on the right for my own now. Okay. Because remember, there's no rules. You've won four times in a row. Yes, that's because I am my ability to adapt. Playing by my own rules. And you know what? I'm going to go first as well. So uh, suck it. Okay, then. Well, I'm going to tell you. All right, Mark, uh, we're going to open up. uh, We're going to already opened up. We're going to look at my cards here. First off, leading off with the Phillies is third baseman Dave Hollins. I love score still at this time. This is a great card because the top of his head is only halfway up this card. The rest of the space is taken up with his bat. Like they, they just, they're different pictures than other cards were, were doing at that time. And I still like them. Let's see. Dave Hollins played for 12 years in the big leagues. Most of it with the Phillies seven in Philadelphia, two with the angels, and then a bunch of other teams for one including your Seattle Mariners in 1996 for 28 games. But in 1991, he only played 56 games, uh, hit 298, 378 on base, six home runs, 21 RBI, a 149 OPS plus. And that will be worth a 1.4 war. I'll take it. I'm in the positive. (laughs) You're starting in the positive. Very nice. Yeah. I'm usually in the hole already by now. Gives you a little cushion there for for the from the uh, zero and negative let's see member of that phillies team that uh ricky henderson distracted mitch williams in in 1993 <laughs> thusly helping joe carter uh let's see oh well, we have to mention this he was traded by the twins to the mariners for a player to be named later that player to be named later None other than David Arias, a.k.a. David oh. Ortiz. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so I, I'm going to go ahead and say the Twins won that trade, although they didn't get the real David Ortiz. I mean, it wasn't until the Red Sox that he really became David Ortiz, big poppy. Yes. But still, interesting note. Oh, wow. In uh, 2002... He was placed on the disabled list due to harmful spider bites that aggravated his diabetes. Jeez, yikes. That's not cool. You know what? Cool. If you gave me a thousand guesses, I wouldn't have come up with that. Yeah, that's typically not something we hear a lot about. Spider well, bites. kept him out of the game. Oh, probably spider bites. That. Well, you know what? I think Fernando Tatis Jr. has got some ringworm uh, medication mm. he could pass along if you need. There you go. All right. We're not doctors. Do not take that advice. Uh, All right. Next, I have got uh, Cubs catcher, first baseman, Hector Villanueva. That means new house, right? Hector new house. Hector new house. If you say so. (laughs) Villanueva. I don't know. I remember Hector uh, being a catcher. He looks like a catcher. I mean, he's a big dude. He's listed at 6'1", 220. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. He's got a mustache, which I'm going to enjoy talking about that. Uh, Let's see. Only four years in the big leagues. That I would have. I mean, he's like that backup catcher. I would have expected him to have 10 years. But four years, 1990 through 93, three with the Cubs and then 93 with the Cardinals. In 91, 71 games, he hit 276, 346 on base, 13 home runs, 32 RBI. These are great backup catcher numbers offensively. And a 143 OPS plus, 2.2 war for Hector Villanueva. 
let's see. He's got the mustache, so I've got that going. I can see white socks. Uh, I'm going to say these are two and ones because I can't see. I can't see the stirrups, and they would there would be some space in between. So, unfortunately, that's going to wipe out the mustache money. But I'll get a two point two out of Hector Villanueva, which I would hey. not have expected. Hector uh, is. Tied for third on the Puerto Rican League's lifetime home run list, 105. Well, he won the Triple Crown in 1991 in the Puerto Rican Baseball League. Only the fourth player to do that. That's pretty impressive. He drew a cult-like following while he was with the Chicago, in part due to the comedic way Harry Carey would mispronounce his name. (laughs) Can't that be said about every, like, not just Cub, but every player that came through Chicago? That's hilarious. All right, next I have got, uh, let's see here, for Cleveland, third baseman with a mustache and with eye black. I like it. Carlos Bye Bye Bayerga. She's Bayerga. Let's see, Carlos Bayerga, 14 years in baseball, uh, eight with Cleveland, three with the Mets, and then a couple of other teams. 1991, his... Uh, is really his first full year in the big leagues with Cleveland, 158 games. He hit 288, 346 on base, 11 home runs, 69 RBI, and a 105 OPS plus. That is good for a 3.2 war. Nice. I don't like it. He's got mustache, he's got eye black, but he's also got two and one, so I'll only get a tenth of a point out of that. But it's still, you know, better than poking the eye and a minus. Yep. It wasn't the, the big, big trade with the Padres, but in 89, with Sandy Alomar and Chris James, he was traded to Cleveland for Joe Carter. Hmm. And then Cleveland traded him with Alvaro Espinosa to the Mets for Jeff Kent and Jose Vizcaino. So some good names that he was involved with uh, trade-wise. Definitely some familiar faces, yeah. yeah. I love this. When he retired, he bought the Santruce Crabbers. Becoming player manager and realizing his childhood dream. Centurce, that's what it is, sorry. Yeah, it might be mentioned that uh, he bought them in 2001 and then returned to the majors in 2002. So I Interesting. Guess managing was not for him. He wanted he wanted back. Uh, next, I have got, boy, here's an, I think we've pulled him before. This is a name I remember, I remember very well. Pitcher for the Red Sox, Dana Kicker. Dana Kicker. For some reason, I, I feel like he was uh, he was from the Northeast, but maybe not. Looks like he went to he was from Minnesota, but only two years in the big leagues, ten and twelve record, both of them with Boston in ninety and ninety one. In ninety, he went two and three with a seven point three six ERA in eighteen games, a ERA plus of fifty nine. And I don't have a good feeling about this one. That is a minus one point zero. Uh, he does have real stirrups on, though, so congratulations. So that'll only be a minus 0.9, which sucks. Uh, and I don't appreciate it, but that's probably why he didn't pitch anymore after that year. <laughs> <laughs> He's born in Sleepy Eye, Minnesota. I love this. He uh, became, began driving a truck for UPS in uh, 1988 in the offseason when he was with Pawtucket. And after 27 years of service, he retired. Oh, wow. Uh, in 2018, yeah. In between there, he became a pitching coach at, uh, I believe, your alma mater, Dakota County Technical College. Well, nope, that was my safety school, and I didn't. Oh, didn't, that's right. Did I know not it was one of the get other. in either. Which, yeah. All right. 
Uh, next, I have got, ooh, number one round, or no, first round draft pick, special insert card. It is somebody that actually went on to have a good career after being picked uh, in the first round. Rondell White with the Expos. There you go. I doubt I'm going to get much if uh, if this is his rookie card, though, or a, a draft card. I don't know if he, yeah, he didn't make the big leagues until 1993. The son-in-law of Jerry Manuel. Interesting. Uh, he was the first round draft pick, 24th overall by the Expos in the 1990 draft. Let's see, 15 years in the big leagues, eight with Montreal and then a bunch of other teams. He ended up with uh, 198 career home runs, 284 batting average, 336 on base and 768 RBI. And he was an all star one time in uh, 2003 for the Padres. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but uh, do I hear Mitchell? Rondale was mentioned in the Mitchell oh, report. Jeez, oh, I was, you know, I was off to a good start. Yep, uh, there's the Mitchell report. So that's going to be a minus point five. I've had minus one point five from the last two uh, <laughs> cards. Wow. All right, big hopes here. Uh, it's one of these caricature cards, a cartoonish card. Tops are, I'm sorry, score all star. First baseman for the Detroit Tigers, Big Daddy, Cecil Fielder. There you go. Maybe you get some points here. All right. Let's see. Uh, Big Daddy. I, he's the father of Prince Fielder. There's a shock right there. Uh, overall, 13 years in Major League Baseball. Good news for me. 1991, all-star. I'll take that. Came in second for the second consecutive year in the MVP voting where uh, Ricky Henderson won it the year before, ahead of him. But 162 games in 1991, 44 home runs to lead the league for the second year in a row, 133 RBI to lead the league for the second of three years in that category. Hit 261, 347 on base, no stolen bases, and a 133 OPS plus. I had to throw that stolen base total in there in case anybody was confused. A 3.8 war. He does have uh, a mustache and real stirrups in this caricature drawing, so I'm going to take it. Uh, so that will be a 4.5 with the all-star uh, bonus. Just missed out. If it would have been the year before, a 6.54. Uh, of course, also spent some time in Japan with the Hanchin Tigers. Just one year. I don't For some reason, I feel like he spent more than one year, but 38 home runs in 1989-81 RBI. Yeah, hitting 300 as well. So he uh, proved himself over there, got himself a nice contract. Well, it wasn't the greatest contract, but it was a contract to play Major League Baseball and uh, definitely proved that he belonged. He's uh, He was nicknamed Wild Bear in Japan. Wild Bear. Wild Bear. Okay. It's interesting that you, we brought up father-son duos. Uh, they're the only father-son to each have hit 50 home runs in a single season. It's a father-son day. This is, uh, we should have done this for Father's Day. Yeah, see, we just don't think that far ahead. No, or think at all, generally. All right, next, oh, it's a Texas Ranger pitcher. I was, I panicked for a minute when I saw this. <laughs> it is not Nolan Ryan. Uh, this is a special K-Man card, so apparently Cosmo Kramer, I don't know. Uh, Bobby Witt. This is senior, folks. Yes, uh, let's uh, let's just get that out there. It's definitely senior. I think he was uh, traded to the A's later on, uh, or no, next year, 92, he was traded to the A's. Uh, Bobby Witt Sr. 
also a member of the 2001 uh, Diamondbacks. I had no idea about that. But let's see, in 1991, uh, one of his 16 years in the big leagues, not a good year with the Rangers. Three and seven, 6.09 ERA, only 88 and two-thirds innings, still struck out 82, a 67 ERA plus, and that is good for a minus 0.1. Wow, you're on a streak. And he has got uh, two and ones, so that'll be a minus 1.1. Lazy fashion choices. Yeah, again, I get it. It's uh, having to put that on the stirrups and the, the sanitaries every day, especially if you get your, your ankles taped. It's a hassle, but still, it's you got to look good. Uh, first round draft pick, third overall by the Rangers in 85. Traded, uh, as I said, 92 with Jeff Russell and Ruben Sierra to the A's for Jose Canseco. Many uh, Ranger fans called him Wit and Wild as they play on the water park Wet and Wild, located yeah. next to Arlington Stadium. Wild, I get it. That's Led funny. the league in walks three times and wild pitches twice. There you go. All right. I have got two cards left. I'm at 8.9. I'm hoping this one will help me out here. Uh, it is a skinny. It's another special card. It's called Rifleman. It is the skinny late Ken Caminiti. One of my favorites. I'm not sure. Was, was he mentioned in the Mitchell Report? Or we'll find out soon enough, but I'm guessing there's a good chance he was. Let's see, Ken Caminiti, 15 years in the big leagues, 10 with Houston, 4 with the Padres. 1991, 152 games, he hit 253, a 312 on base, 13 home runs, 80 RBI, and a 101 OPS+. And that is good for a 2.3. Uh, he does have the 2-in-1s, but he's got flip-downs on, so that'll wipe out and just give me a 2.3, barring Mr. Mitchell. I don't see anything about the Mitchell report, but we do know that he passed away due to substance abuse. Uh, let's see. Big trade here. Traded by the Astros with Andujar Cedeno, Steve Finley, and Brian Williams to the Padres for Derek Bell, Doug Brocale, Ricky Gutierrez, Pedro Martinez, Phil Plantier, and Craig Shipley. Now, that is not the Pedro Martinez, the pitcher Pedro Martinez. This is the left-handed pitcher Pedro Martinez, who was in the big leagues for five years. So not that. Not that one. No. Ah, he attended San Jose State University, my parents' alma mater. Oh, nice. All right. My last card, I'm at 11.2, is relief pitcher for the Twins, Gary Wayne. Now, do I get bonuses? Both his first and last name are cities in Indiana. <laughs> Let me look through the, those are in the supplemental rules if there are any. I think Wayne, Indiana. I know Gary, Indiana, because, you know, Ron Howard sang about it in The Music Man. But Right. Don't make me break into it either, because I can, I can recite the whole thing. That's for the other podcast. I'm telling you, I could do a Music Man podcast without having to research anything. But for uh, Gary Anthony Wayne, six years in the big leagues, four with the Twins, one for the Rocks, one for the Dodgers, 1991 with Minnesota. In eight games, he went 1-0 with a 5.11 ERA, 12 and a third innings pitch, seven strikeouts, 86 ERA plus, and uh, that's still good for a war of minus 0.1. I think I had more negative uh, scores than positive today. You, you may have, yeah. One interesting thing about Mr. Wayne is that he uh, uh, was one of the original season Colorado Rockies. Ah, well, 93. 
Yeah, and in 93, he had one at bat, one of only two in his career, and he got a base hit and knocked in two. Wow. Yeah. So uh, his career OPS plus batting-wise is 162. His his OPS for 1993 was 408. Nice. Really should have let him bat more. Obviously. Well, yeah, I think there's a technicality. I was thinking of Fort Wayne, Indiana, so I'm afraid I'm not going to get those bonus 17 points. Yeah, I just looked on the supplemental rules. Sure enough, you were right. <laughs> All right, so that I end with 11.1, which is not great. But considering all the negatives I had, I don't know. It's okay. My goal is 11.2. Well, that's all you need. That's a good goal. Well, yeah, I just want to barely win, you know, inch it out. Just so you have, so you wake up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat. Curse you. (laughs) All right, Mark, here we go. You're going to start off with a member of Atlanta. It is none other than Jeff Blauser. Nice. I'm not going to go into the Blauser thing. Yeah, because I didn't get it then. And I. Yeah. I, I vaguely remember your your uh, story about it, and it, it's too old for me. You're too old. I am. I can say that because I know I, I can get away from you and your walker. Let's see. <laughs> Jeff Blauser, 13 years in the big leagues, 11 with Atlanta, final two with Chicago, 1991. 129 games he played mainly on the left side of the infield. Hit 259, 358 on base, 11 home runs, 54 RBI, a 111 OPS plus, and that is good for a 1.0 war. I'll take uh, one. One is a lot better than, as you mentioned, a sharp stick in the eye. Yeah, nothing else on this card is going to help you out. He was a member of the 1995 World Series team with Atlanta, of course. A lot of postseason. Uh, a lot of postseason numbers for him. He didn't play in that World Series in 95. He played in the first two rounds, but not uh, not in the World Series. Hmm. I wonder if he was on the roster and just didn't get in, or if he was left off the roster. I don't know. First round pick. Eighth overall by the Cardinals in 84, but didn't sign. And then the Braves drafted him with the fifth overall pick in the supplementary draft later that year and signed with Atlanta. All right, next you've got a pitcher for the Minnesota Twins wearing some nice real stirrups, Kevin Tappany. Kevin Tappany had some pretty good years, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think he did. He For the Twins and the Cubs, I think he uh, played some good ball. Let's see. Overall, Solid four, pitcher, get you 200 innings a year. Yep, yeah. 13, uh, 13 years overall in the big leagues. Seven with Minnesota, five with the Cubs, and then a couple of other teams for one. In 1991, wow, 16-9 with a 2.99 ERA. Very nice. Uh, Of course, the Twins won the World Series that year. I think Tappany had a lot to do with it with those numbers. 244 innings pitched, 135 strikeouts, 143 ERA plus. And overall, that is a war of 6.8. Whoa, didn't see that coming. Wow, that is one of the highest wars for a pitcher I think we've ever had. Ladies and gentlemen, Kevin Tappany. Yeah, wow. Uh, did not fare so well in the postseason, though. Uh, let's see. He was draft. Or he was uh, involved in a lot of trades. Uh, I'm not going to go through a, some some good names here, though. Rick Aguilera, Frank Viola, Jesse Orozco, Alfredo Griffin. Uh, some good 80s, 90s names there that we like to talk about. You bet. All right, next, you, uh, we, we're staying in Atlanta. Uh, I think you might, <laughs> you might just put away the, uh, 
Uh, put away it, the, the game here. Uh, you've got, he's listed as a first baseman for Atlanta. This is a very young, this might be his rookie card. Yeah, it's his, or, nope, not his rookie card. Not technically. It's Mr. Halle Berry, David Justice. Just ice. Let's see. David Justice, uh, 14 years in the big leagues, uh, eight with Atlanta, four with Cleveland, two with the Yankees, and one very memorable money ball year with the A's in 2002. 1991 with Atlanta, 109 games, hit 275, 377 on base, 21 home runs, 87 RBI, and a 140 OPS plus. And that will equal, oh, it's only a war of 1.6. Hmm. Uh, he does have real stirrups on, and he's got eye black, so that'll be a 1.8. Unfortunately for you, you don't get the bonus. He has got double ear flaps on here, ah. which leads me to believe he's uh, borrowed somebody's helmet, or that's his minor league helmet where you have to wear two ear flaps. I'm not sure. Uh, Justice won two World Series, the 95 in Atlanta and then 2000 with the Yankees. He was the MVP of the ALCS against Seattle that year as well. Not to poke at old wounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Traded with Marquise Grissom to Cleveland for Alan Embry and Kenny Lofton. Uh, do you know who Alan Embry listed as his favorite actress when he was playing? Um, Reese Witherspoon. No, it was uh, Helen Hunt. Oh. <laughs> These are the things you pick up when you got to stare at, uh, at graphics all day. <laughs> oh, Mitchell Report. Mitchell Report. Oh, no. Uh, so beyond being named in people's 50 most beautiful people, uh, David Justice was also named in the Mitchell Report. So, so he got both. That's, uh, <laughs> that's bonus points. Well, I okay now. Well, here he was on an episode of Celebrity Wife Swap. So actually, that's going to cancel out your uh, your Mitchell Report. He also appeared on an episode of Young and the Restless, and of course, he was portrayed briefly in uh, Moneyball the movie. Yes. By Stephen Bishop. That's right. So, yeah, overall, that, that's going to be a, a wipe. All right. So uh, next up, you have got a uh, right fielder for the Giants, which is my team. Hey, hey, it's Rick nope. Parker. Oh. Good old Rick Parker. Not quite Dave Parker. No, I, I'm going to say he is distinctly not like Dave Parker. Let's see. Rick Parker played for six years in the big leagues. Uh, 1990, he appeared in 54 games, which is his career high. 91, he only appeared in 13. Uh, he hit 071 with a 133 on base. So uh, that's a minus 39 OPS plus. Now watch, you're somehow going to still get a positive war. Because that's like, no, okay, a <laughs> minus 0.3 war. Okay. Uh, let's see. He does have real stirrups on, so that'll be a minus 0.2, but he's on the Giants, which is my team, so that'll be a minus 0.7. I like it. Yikes. Could he possibly be on the Mitchell Report? I, that's the only thing I can really hope for. All right, so uh, you are at nine even. You still have five cards left. How is that possible? Uh, so I'm not feeling good. Uh, here with Cleveland, you've got a rookie prospect, Bo Allred. Bo Allred. I only remember it because it's Bo, B-E-A-U. Yes. Let's see. Bo Allred, three years in the big leagues, all of it with Cleveland, 89 through 91. 1991, played in 48 games, hit 232, 359 on base, three home runs, 12 RBI, a 92 OPS plus, and a .7 war. Wow, he's also got 
real stirrups and flip downs on. So <laughs> it's a point wow. nine from Bo Allred. <sighs> your new fully f- expected that your yes, new I- favorite Cleveland yeah. player of all time. Definitely. I, I now we've had him before because I I remember reading this where I don't really know what it's about, but he was immortalized in a 1991 Sports Illustrated article where the writer revealed several pen-written lines of graffiti in the bathroom that included shoeless bow allred, clueless bow allred, and clubless bow allred. Okay. <laughs> that's that's the, uh, the, the cycle of his career from... You know, being compared to Shoeless (laughs) Joe Jackson to saying he doesn't have a clue to being unemployed. All right. Wow. You've got another rookie prospect card. This guy actually had a good career. uh, Also was on your Seattle Mariners for a good bit of time. Luis Soho. Yeah, kind of a Mariners legend. He did some uh, he had uh, a hand in some big wins for us. He's got four World Series rings. That's pretty impressive. None of them with Seattle. I just I'm going to put that out there. But no, uh, <laughs> how do you guess that? Man? You must have looked it up. Yeah, I did have to look that one up. Uh, let's see. 13 years in the big leagues, seven with the Yankees, three with the Mariners. In 91, he was with the California Angels, appeared in 113 games, 258 average, 295 on base, three home runs, 20 RBI, 73 OPS plus, led the league with 19 sacrifice bunts. That's impressive. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of bunts. Uh, and that is good for a 0.7 war. Uh, wow, he's definitely got real stirrups on here. I mean, they're pulled up really high and tight. But uh, good for you. It's a 0.8 for Luis Soho. Not to be confused with Ruby Soho. Uh, all right, so you are at 10.7. I'm at 11.1. You've got three cards left. This one might put you over the top here. It is hard-hitting Mark Witten with the Blue Jays. Let's see, Mark Witten, 11 years in the big leagues, five with Cleveland, and then a bunch of other teams, including your Seattle Mariners in 96. Mm-hmm. 1991, he split time between the Blue Jays and Cleveland. Overall, 116 games, 243 average, 297 on base, nine home runs, 45 RBI, 87 OPS plus. And all of that is good for a 1.5 war. Wow. Plus, he's got on real stirrups. So that'll be a 1.6 and put you in the lead until we get some Giants and Ricky Henderson cards. Witten had a great arm. I do remember that. And, uh, of course, he's known for hitting four home runs in a single game. You don't get the nickname hard-hitting Mark Witten without. No, you got to hit it hard. It's hard, right. yeah. Hey, he pitched one inning for Cleveland against the A's. He walked two, gave up a hit, an earned run, struck out the side, including Miguel Tejada. Wow. He thus has a perfect career uh, strikeout to nine ratio of 27. So he's a record holder on the mound. Uh, Next, you have got a first baseman for the Orioles. It is Diego Segui. All right, Diego, the uh, father of David Segui, which uh, is whose card we pulled, not... (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we pulled David Segui, not Diego Segui. Diego Segui is David's father. Let's get that right. I got Diego on the mind. David, 15 years in the big leagues, including some time 
as we always say, because everybody's always played for the Mariners at some point with the Seattle Mariners. But in 1991, with the Orioles, 87 games, uh, 278, average 316 on base, two home runs, 22 RBI, 85 OPS plus, and a war of minus point, 1.4. Ouch. Uh, he does have some eye black on, so that'll only be a minus 1.3. And that takes you down to 11 even with one card left. Oof. My score was 11.1. Here we go. And this what is- did I say? I wanted to get 11.2. <laughs> Uh, I can tell you that your card, the dude's got a mustache and real stirrups already. So I'm going to just, I'm going to put that on before we even start. So you're now at your 11.2. So now it is just a matter of whether or not he uh, had uh, any value above a replacement player or not. It is pitcher for the Dodgers, Tim Cruz. Man, this could go either way. It really could. Uh, of course, Tim Cruz, we mention it every time, uh, unfortunately passed away in a boating accident of March of 1993. Uh, he spent six years in the big leagues, all of it with the Dodgers. 1991, 2-3, 3.43 ERA in 60 games, 76 innings pitched, 53 strikeouts, a 105 ERA plus. I think this is going to go your way. And that overall is a war of 0.9. Just enough. Wow. Literally just enough. But that's the way this game seems to go for me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I wanted it to be close, you know, so that was it was close. It was. That was a very close game. Uh, But uh, yeah, congratulations. Your first win on the season. You're off the schneid. There you go. Uh, Now you've only got 19 more that you will inevitably get before I do. So. We shall see. All right. That's going to wrap up this uh, version of Wax Packs Heroes. It's also going to take us to the end of this week's episode. Thank you once again for joining us. If uh, you want to get a hold of us or find out more about us, you can get us on all the socials. We're at 2StrikeNoise. That is at TWO Strike Noise. And we also have an email address that Mark is way over attached to. Yes, it's uh, 2 noise at gmail.com. Feel free to write. We'll get back to you. Sometimes it takes me a bit, depends on what else is going on. I don't have a life, so I don't know how I get so filled up with uh, things to do. But uh, anyway, uh, feel free to write. We love to hear from you. Yeah, I'll have to excuse Mark. Sometimes he checks the actual mailbox in front of his house looking for email. I get confused. Doesn't remember how to do it, but yeah. All right, uh, that'll do it for this week's episode. Thank you once again, everybody, for watching us. Uh, If you want to rate and review us, I haven't asked you to do that for a long time just because we got a lot of long-time listeners. But hey, anything helps, share it with a friend. And uh, yeah, we'll see you again next week on another episode of Two Strike Noise. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day.